There's no one who's shown more genius in, in their way to maneuver around the tax code and to rightfully use the laws to do that. And he's already promised in his tax plan to change many of these special interest loopholes and get rid of them so you don't have this kind of situation. From WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, it's the Christy Tracker Podcast. My one job was to make sure that I told the people of New Jersey the absolute truth. I have, I'll continue to, and no matter what else anybody says, that will not change. I'm David First. This week, Governor Christie called Donald Trump a genius on Fox News Sunday for losing nearly a billion dollars in 1995. What it shows is what an absolute mess the federal tax code is. And that's why Donald Trump is the person best positioned to fix it. He announced a deal to allow a gas tax hike to pay for transportation projects in New Jersey. There has not been a gas tax increase in the state since 1988. Months ago, I said I was willing to increase the gas tax if it represented tax fairness, um, and I've kept my word on that. And after a long weekend, former Port Authority official David Wildstein was back on the stand. Yes, it is week three of the Bridgegate trial for Bridget Ann Kelly, the former Chris Christie staffer and former deputy executive director of the Port Authority, Bill Baroni. A little bit later, we're going to hear from WNYC's Andrea Bernstein, but right now we're joined by WNYC's Matt Katz and by Tom Moran, the editorial page editor for the Star-Ledger. Welcome back. Thanks, Dave. Hi, Dave. Matt, what do we need to know about the Bridgegate trial this week? What were the big moments that stood out for you since we last had this conversation? Well, we got the cross-examination of David Wildstein. Uh, We got to see the defense attorneys. uh, Well, they kind of framed him into a crazy lying lunatic was really what they were trying to do. They went through all of his past transgressions, uh, his history of political dark arts, going back to 1982, I think, when he uh, says that he stole former Senator Frank Lautenberg's coat before a uh, senatorial debate so Lautenberg would feel uncomfortable on stage and, you know, delved into that and then delved into how Wildstein really uh, was working for Chris Christie. This was the point that um, the defense was trying to put forward. But not just a master of the political dark arts, Tom, but a liar. Yeah, he admitted a whole bunch of lies to begin with, and even the prosecutors sort of tried to claim some of that ground by describing some of his lies. And this goes back to when, as Matt says, he's a kid, but it continued into when he applied for his job at the Port Authority. He already had the job, and he lied about having a college degree. And it just went on and on. What Mike Critchley, the defense attorney for Bridget and Kelly, established this week to me is two things. He is a liar and a weird individual to begin with. And he's closely enmeshed in all the top – he's in meetings with, with the top people in the Christie administration. He went through his calendar and showed meeting and phone call after with both the governor and with his very senior top rung of four or five people. So Wildstein is not some rogue agent. Wildstein was tightly knit into the administration. So for both those reasons, I think it was a very good week for the defense. They have a tall hill to climb with these emails, you know, time for traffic problems in Fort Lee. There's hard documentary evidence against these two, I think. But as far as the reliability of Wildstein, he came across as just a nut and a liar, I thought. Well, they, sh- they, they at least proved that this scheme was a part of activities that happened in normal course in the administration, uh, punishing mayors and rewarding mayors 
for political endorsements was proven with a ton of evidence as just the way the taxpayer-funded Christie administration operated. They would give out giants tickets and let favored mayors go to cocktail parties at Drumthwacket. They could get tours of Ground Zero. Their towns got burnt wreckage, basically spoils of war from ground zero. I just want to add, there's more expensive favors handed out to people to get political support that is infuriating. A million dollars to town for a park, a million and a half for a grant to the Urban League for various political purposes. And the big one today, $235 million to purchase land in Bayonne, which the Port Authority said they needed to establish a deep water port. They haven't done that. And this is either a bailout with Port Authority money that David Wildstein today testified was primarily aimed at getting the mayor's endorsement. And I should say this is all based on testimony from David Wildstein. That's true. That's true. But if it's true, it was a failed quarter-billion-dollar scheme because the mayor of Bayonne never even endorsed Christie. From other reporting, too, it's not just to get that mayor's endorsement. A lot of people I've talked about this said it was also a bailout. Just as Christie used the Port Authority money to build the rebuild the Pulaski Skyway, he used it to bail out Bayonne. So these are improper uses of Port Authority money, but it's not just about the endorsement. Another another thing that came out that seemed to be part of the DNA of the administration in terms of carrots and sticks, even Wildstein uh, was given the same treatment. Once he was being forced out because of Bridgegate, they dangled in front of him the carrot possibility of working on the Christie presidential campaign uh, nearly three years before the 2016 election day. And even though even as he was being pushed out and forced to resign and being fired, he testified today that Christie's closest confidence said he was still part of the team. He actually had a moment in court where he um, said some, he was asked by the defense attorney if he considered himself a a smart political mind, and he said something to the effect of, like, he used to. And maybe this whole Bridgegate thing has humbled him in terms of his abilities as a dark arts operative, since the point of dark arts is it's not supposed to be out in the open in a federal courtroom. He said he was beginning to doubt his political wisdom, which is puts him about five years behind the rest of us, I guess. Can I tell you the, the one, like, revelation today that uh, affirms something I had been suspicious about for some time? David Wildstein testified that at one point there was this idea that the governor's office would be the ones to reopen the lanes after he had closed them. And therefore, the Port Authority would be the bad guy and Governor Christie would be the good guy. They actually called it bad cop and good cop. Christie would be the good cop. And I had been wondering this for some time, if if putting the squeeze on Sokolich for the endorsement, making his life tough and then relieving him of that toughness so he would endorse wasn't really the, the driving force behind Bridgegate. It's like if Tom had a, a, a vegetable stand in the Lower East Side in the 20s and I came by one night and knocked it over and then the next morning I come and say, hey, Tom, looks like you got a problem here. Maybe, you know, I know some people I could help you out. Maybe a little give me a little under the table and we'll take care of things. He made, they, they like created a situation that where they needed Christie to come in as the savior. Wildstein testified that was one plan. That was one idea at one point. And, and Mark Sokolich, uh, of course, uh, the mayor of Fort Lee. Tom? Yeah. Another thing that was really striking to me, just about the moral depravity of this whole operation the mayor of Mark Sokolich, the mayor, was sending messages, text with the, the subject line, email saying, urgent matter of public safety. So the, today, Critchley asked Wildstein, you know, did you think about this? 
people could be having heart attacks, and there was a report of a missing child. And he said, well, part of his answer was, I would expect that someone would tell me, but not that he looked. But he also kept saying, well, I wasn't really thinking about that. I was thinking about the traffic jam. And they're just lucky somebody didn't die in this. And actually, a woman did die of a heart attack, and there was a slight delay, but the family said she was on death's door anyway, so they didn't blame the governor for it. But this was... The moral depravity of this is pretty striking. And I have to mention this, Tom, your your name came up in court uh, once again this week. Yeah, right. Talk about moral depravity. Can I have the pleasure of reading the quote? David Wildstein is asked about an email he has between himself and Mike Druniak, the former spokesman for uh, Governor Christie, who now basically runs New Jersey Transit. Wildstein gave Druniak advice on how to handle the press at one point. Wildstein's advice was to do a Tom Moran report card, like, which I, I took to mean that they would take your column and say where you're wrong and you get an F on this opinion and F on that opinion. And Druniak, the spokesman, the chief spokesman for Christie, his response is, I hate that fucker. I want to beat him with a lead pipe. Now, we heard this in week one, but it came up in court again. The report card part was new. So I would love to, I'm going to request public records requests on exactly their conversations about doing a report. And I note here, they've never caught me in a factual error. Just saying. Matt, Bridget Kelly's lawyer questioned Wildstein about how he was fired. What's he getting at? This was so interesting to me because I've, I've known this fact for years now but never realized the significance of it. Uh, Wildstein was fired by Christie's top two aides in his office, the chief counsel and the chief of staff at the time. But Wildstein didn't work for them. His bosses were Bill Baroni, the, the, the deputy executive director of the Port Authority, and David Sampson, the chairman of the Port Authority. He was fired in person by Christie's top two people. It just indicates who he was really working for and who was most vulnerable to what he knew, really. And going back to the Port Authority, it shows that the Port Authority is not the independent agency it's supposed to be. It's an arm of both governors. It's hard to tell, you know, who's going to be guilty, who's going to be innocent. I think Baroni has a much harder time than Kelly getting off on this. But what's clear already after two weeks out of what is expected to be six weeks is that the Port Authority is guilty. And this isn't just Wildstein's testimony. It's the documents and stuff. This is an agency with a budget that's bigger than about half the states in the country. It faces very little in the way of democratic controls. It's secretive. And the way it's using its money is a sickening slush fund for Christie I know all about. I'm told Cuomo does the same thing. These guys both vetoed reform because they both love it. And Matt, according to testimony from David Wildstein this week, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo knew more about efforts to cover up the Bridgegate lane closure scheme than uh, he has let on. Wildstein has implicated so many people in this. And uh, the big, bold-faced name from this past week is really Andrew Cuomo. He says that um, he had heard through two other people that Christie and Cuomo had basically agreed to the cover-up. Cuomo is pushing back hard on this. This conversation never happened. Uh, This is coming from a felon, Wildstein, they say. Uh, But Cuomo is just one of several people that uh, Wildstein is implicated. We've got the former chief counsel for Christie, the former chief of staff, 
uh, the spokesman. I mean, in terms of not only knowing beforehand, Wildstein has said that basically almost every person close to Christie knew during the period of the cover-up, either because he personally told them himself or they were actively involved in coming up with this scheme. There's some documentary evidence to indicate that's true, uh, but a lot of this is also resting on what this one man who is a admitted liar claims. Yeah, and with it still, it creeps closer and closer to the governor. But again, you're right, based on Wildstein's testimony. But the one today that was pretty striking, Wildstein said he talked several times with Mike Duhame, and Mike Duhame is the governor's top political advisor, both campaigns and the presidential campaign. Unlike the rest of this crew, people who know Mike Duhame, including myself a little bit, regard him almost universally as a gentleman. He's not one of these Christie thug bullies like a Druniak type or a Stepien type or a Bill Baroni type. He's a gentleman. And according to Wildstein, he told him all about it, and they had many conversations and email exchanges months before the governor says he found out. So if Wildstein's saying what he's saying is true, you have to believe that Mike Duhame didn't tell the governor, and I don't believe that. Tom, Wildstein's testimony continues to be damning for Governor Christie, his administration, people at the Port Authority. But is it looking like Kelly and Baroni are the only ones that are going to be charged with the crime when all is said and done? I think so, because it seems to me that the prosecutors have concluded Wildstein is such a weak um, witness that unless he's fortified by emails and texts and phone logs, as he is in his conversations with Baroni and Kelly, without that, like his conversations with the governor, they're not going to rely on that. If they put the governor on trial over this and they put Wildstein up against the governor, forget it. No jury could rightfully claim that as proof beyond a reasonable doubt. WNYC's Matt Katz and uh, Tom Moran, the editorial page editor for the Star-Ledger. Thanks again. Okay, thanks, Dave. Thanks, David. Does the governor know? Does the governor know? One of the things that came out in the Bridgegate trial this week was a testimony about the level of involvement of New York Governor Andrew Cuomo in the cover-up of the Bridgegate lane closure scheme. WNYC's Andrea Bernstein broke the story that Cuomo had been much more involved in keeping the story quiet than had been previously disclosed. And she joins us now. Andrea, welcome back. Hey, David. So originally, Governor Cuomo said, you know, the only thing he knew about this whole crazy traffic thing was what he read in the papers. But your reporting from back in July uncovered the fact that he knew more than he was letting on. So around the time that WNYC began to get really interested in what Governor Christie knew about the Bridgegate scandal. And you may remember at the time, Governor Christie telling Matt Katz he was the guy moving the cone We also wanted to get a question through to Governor Cuomo. And at that time, Governor Cuomo was holding very few press conferences. And the only regular press availability that he was doing was an interview with uh, one of our sister stations uh, up in Albany. So we asked them to please ask Governor Cuomo about it. And he said, I don't know anything more than uh, basically has been in the newspaper because it's basically a New Jersey issue. And he pretty much stuck to that. He said at another time, I'm sure it is as Governor Christie says it is. What I found in digging through emails from the Port Authority, they indicate that from 
The day that Pat Foy, the New York appointed executive director, reversed the lane closures, the top aides to Governor Cuomo knew about it. His name is Howard Glazer. He was director of operations. He emailed Pat Foy on September 13th, well done, after Foy reversed the lane closures. Then the next thing that happens is Foy, the next day, emails the staffer in charge of the George Washington Bridge, and he says, anything else on Wildstein and Baroni, second floor request, need to know ASAP. And second floor is Albany speak for the part of the state capitol where Cuomo and his top aides have their offices. So we know that this happened. And then there are even more emails. There are emails between New York officials early on saying they were clear there was no traffic study. Uh, and they're talking about conversations with Howard Glazer, the director of operations, talking about how to handle this. And Glazer is just all over emails between the New York appointed vice chairman, uh, back and forth to Pat Foy about talking about how to handle press inquiries, about how to handle Baroni's testimony before the legislature. Then time comes for Pat Foy to testify. The governor calls, and we can tell this from the email because there's a record of Governor Cuomo calling to speak to his vice chairman to discuss Pat Foy's testimony. So all of this takes place before Governor Cuomo tells us in public radio, I know basically what I read in the newspapers. As an aside to the central narrative of the trial, new information came out late last week about uh, David Wildstein, Governor Christie, and a plan to take over a sheriff's seat. Uh, In light of everything else that we've learned, you think this is a big deal. Why? Well, according to Wildstein, there's a meeting at the State House in June of 2010, so very soon after Wildstein goes to the Port Authority, with Governor Christie and two of his top staffers, Michelle Brown and Rich Bagger. And at this meeting, according to Wildstein, Governor Christie says to Wildstein, I want you to give Jerry Speciale who was at the time the sheriff of Passaic County, a job at the Port Authority. And the reason, Wildstein says, Christie wanted him to do that is because Christie wanted to control that sheriff's seat. And in fact, Wildstein did give Jerry Speciale a job that paid almost $200,000 at the Port Authority. The seat did go to control of Christie and the Republicans. What is so significant about this is that if it's true... Governor Christie was paying very close attention at a micro level on who the sheriffs were, on who were the people that could uh, charge people with crimes. It is a another piece in the puzzle of how detailed the administration was on controlling all of the routes of possible punishment. You know, a lot of people have said to me, why isn't Christie being charged and is he going to be charged? One of the things that I think is clear in this is not only does Christie control the attorney general, who is an appointee of his in New Jersey, but he also was getting involved in controlling the sheriff's offices. Okay, as always, we'll have to stay tuned. WNYC's Andrea Bernstein, thanks again. Thank you. The Christie Tracker Podcast is a production of WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio. Our theme music is by 29 Hour Music People. You can subscribe to Season 2 of the podcast on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow Matt Katz at MattKatz00, that is Matt, K-A-T-Z, and Andrea Bernstein at Andrea WNYC. 
I'm David First. And, uh, Governor, after this whole presidential thing wraps up, are you looking forward to the next gubernatorial election in New Jersey? How great will that be? I'm not on the ballot. I just get to run around the state and make mischief. 